to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. Here we are at episode 230. Can you believe it? I actually can't. We'll have to start planning now to celebrate episode 250 because we're really almost there. I'm so proud of us and I'm so proud of our guests. Yeah, so many amazing stories we've gotten to hear. And this episode is also a little bit exciting because it marks the beginning of our new quarter, which is focused on influencer journey. So for anyone listening in who doesn't remember, Jody and I do have day jobs leading the team at Base Beauty Creative Agency. And one of the services we offer to our clients is influencer and pro relations. So this quarter has been really a lot of fun for us to think about how we can peel back the curtain on some of the stories behind the faces we know and see on our, our phone screens basically every day. I do love this because, like you said, we work with a lot of these people. In some cases, I only ever meet them through their digital world, like not in real life. And there are some guests coming up that I've met in real life. That makes me really happy to be able to have them on the show. So this quarter, there's going to be a lot of different types of influencers. Not everyone's going to be a macro influencer. We'll start with Tenny because um, she became major, major, major on YouTube. She started this in the infancy of influencer marketing. So back in 2012. Okay, Eleni, what were you doing in 2012? 2012, I was in high school. (laughs) So I was, who knows what I was doing then? (laughs) A different time of life. In 2012, my youngest was two years old. I probably wore like dirty clothes every day from being with kids (laughs) and trying to figure out how to be a mom and run a business. But, you know, making it all seem like everything was easy, of course, out into the world. Well, anyway, Tenny started YouTube in 2012 and, you know, really took advantage of the fact that this was novel at the time and leaned in heavy in the beauty influencing space. And she's really built a huge community that um, values her point of view and trusts her opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really a great match to the brand she started, which is called Monday Born, where she does some really interesting work involving her followers and testing the products at every stage of the development, I guess, from formulation to packaging. And this crowdsource model is definitely something we're seeing more of in the industry lately. I love this. And I want to be one of her panelists. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to get her lab samples and give comments. Something she'll talk about on the show, our listeners will hear about is she actually does Zooms with these these fans. Um, and she listens to every single person's feedback. And the sweetest part about it is if you're part of the panel that tests the product, when it gets to market, she's going to put your name on the box. That's so, so cool. I can't wait to hear more about it and listen to Tenny explain a little bit more. So here is Tenny Panosian, episode 230. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today begins our influencer journey themed quarter, where we will get to know some faces behind all this content creation we enjoy in our feeds. We are thrilled to be joined by Tenny Panosian, beauty influencer, content creator, and co-founder of Monday Born. She started her career in beauty by launching a YouTube channel in 2012, which is basically a million years ago in our industry, (laughs) and was one of the first to share makeup tutorials and skincare reviews. Tenny has over a million subscribers on her YouTube, a huge Instagram following, and she covers a broad range of topics from beauty to fashion to lifestyle. I'm so excited to dive into the conversation about her career journey from immigrant to influencer, all on episode number 230. Hi, Tenny. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. 
Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> this is so exciting. So, you know, this is a career journey show, right? So let's, let's keep it focused just for our first question, at least, because I'm sure we'll go in a million directions. When you were like 10 years old, 11 years old, go back to that time in your life. What do you want to be when you grow up? I had, you know, I, I was hearing a lot around me like, yeah, you know, we came to this country so you could, you know, be a doctor, a lawyer or something, you know, something that a lot of immigrant families want you to do. Um, but I was such an artist and I was so into history and things like that, that at one point I actually wanted to be a paleontologist. I really loved dinosaurs. I loved things like, you know, or even like archaeologists, like ancient Egypt. I loved everything that I was learning about you know, dinosaurs and everything from like history. I loved history. I've always loved history. So there's definitely a time that I wanted to excavate dinosaur bones. <laughs> I think I wanted to do that too, actually. I wonder if there's something happening in that time of our lives. It, like I love studying. I think when you're learning about, about like dinosaurs and stuff, it's so exciting as a kid because it's fantastic. You know, it doesn't seem like it's rooted in reality. So you're all about it. I love that. So, well, that's not what you're doing now. So I want to understand how we go from, you know, wanting to dig up fossils to beauty influencing and then being a beauty entrepreneur. Yeah. So let's talk about being an immigrant and actually like picking up your life and moving to completely another country. Um, what was happening in your family's world to make this happen? I mean, in short, bombs were going off <laughs> around us and it just didn't seem safe. I was uh, an infant and into it being a toddler. And my dad had always wanted to, you know, pick up the family and leave. And my mom was still very, you know, attached to her family, didn't want to go. So by the time I was like two, two and a half, we finally left and moved to Greece. Um, it was just really for safety and, and like better opportunity. So that's why my parents decided. And how old were you when you came to the U.S.? Five. Is the U.S. mostly all you remember or do you remember Greece? No, I remember Greece. I went to school there. I even learned the language. I don't remember it anymore, but I remember being very much, you know, assimilated into Greek lifestyle, going to school, doing like the cultural fe festivals and things like that. It was great. And my dad wanted to stay there. He really liked it there. <laughs> but really, again, the goal was for me to have my choice at, at, at whatever I wanted to do with life. Growing up, how was your family able to share your Iranian culture you know, while you were no longer in the country? You know, being an Armenian from Iran is interesting because ethnically we're not Iranian, we're Armenian, but my entire, like everybody in my family is pretty much from Iran. We've been there for hundreds of years. And so culturally, you know, we've adopted a lot of the same. I mean, the, the traditions are not that different either, but we've kind of adopted a lot of, like my mom makes more Persian food than she does Armenian food. So um, that's one way is, is like the food is, you know, that the food was always, you know, as a kid, I had such a different palate. I wanted like bland, like chicken tenders and fries. You know, I, I didn't develop that palate for like all these good foods until I was an adult. And so that's, I guess, one way. I think, you know, our families are generally kind of more conservative and more speak Armenian in the house, you know, kind of thing. So I guess that was language and food was mostly how. Are you still speaking Armenian in the house? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No. And is everyone in your close relationship speak Armenian? Not really. I mean, I have obviously my friends who I went to school with, who are my friends since I was a kid. Um, they all speak Armenian, if they are Armenian. <laughs> um, they all speak Armenian. I actually don't know any Armenians that don't speak Armenian. And my parents use Farsi to kind of talk trash. <laughs> if, if they don't want me to know something, they'll speak in Farsi because my whole family, except for my brother and me, 
speaks Farsi as well as Armenian. Oh my God. So you know they're talking about you. You just don't know what they're saying. <laughs> I do. I know some. I know some. Not not very much, but. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you're a teenager and you get to work in a theater box office. Okay. Like the, the movie theater was the place to be, right? Well, it wasn't a movie theater, actually. It was a... a uh, theater in the round. Oh, so mm-hmm. there were musicals, there were there were plays, things like that. And it's funny because I was 15 at the time and you're not actually allowed to work in Glendale until you're 16. But it was this lovely Mormon family that owned the Glendale Center Theater and they agreed to give me a job on Saturdays, nine to six. My mom would drop me off. <laughs> I would work in the box office and I would earn my money because I felt so guilty. And my parents were always very, you know, open to like, you know, providing for me and like anything I wanted to do, going ice skating, going ice cream, anything I wanted with my friends, they were happy to pay for it, clothes, things like that. But I always felt guilty. I was like, and my parents work hard. They don't have a lot of money. So, and I want, I have like already a very developed palette. Like I liked expensive things. At 15. So I wanted a job at 15. I wanted the Tommy Hilfiger bathing suit. And it was like, at the time, $90. Like, oh my God, $90 (laughs) a swimsuit. And I I felt so guilty to ask for my parents to pay for that. So I was like, I need a job. I need some kind of disposable income that I can just blow and not feel bad about it. (laughs) I love that you were basically on the front lines, customer customer service-wise, at the theater, right? You're at the box office. I'm sure you met customers who were happy and moved about their day and some who were frustrated or irate or, you know. No, no one ever irate, but like most, mostly seniors. There was a lot of older patrons too. So they were all mostly pretty, pretty kind. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if there's like one thing you learned at that box office that you still use today in your work yes. either as an influencer or entrepreneur. Absolutely. So my boss, Linda Sheffield, I will never forget her name. Um, she was the mom of the family and she kind of was my supervisor. She said, early is on time, on time is late. And that that was like, that was something that I learned during like the, kind of like the, the training process of telling me what time to be in and everything. And so she's walking me through everything, walking me through the computer systems and everything. And she said, you know, be here at 9 a.m. And um, I actually suggest you be here at like 8.55 because early is on time. On time is late. So for me, that was like, yeah, you're right. Because by the time I get there, by the time I get settled, I turn on the computer, it could already be like 9.10, you know, so I'm 10 minutes behind. So from there, I always remembered that... I should be a little bit early to everything, including work. I love this, right? It just shows if you're early to your job, it shows passion and commitment. And then it makes the people who hired you feel really relaxed that they made the right choice, right? If you show up. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think showing up has actually been a challenge for a lot of people um, in their careers, especially young people. Sure. I mean, it's really the first step, right? It's actually the hardest part. If you really think about it, it's the hardest part. Everything else is kind of like, it's like going to the gym, right? When you feel like, oh God, I really just do not feel like working out. Once you're there, everything kind of just flows and unfolds naturally after that, right? All you have to do is get dressed and be there, (laughs) right? You're right. It's the first step and it's the most important step, right? Because if you're not, if you don't make it on time, well, then the whole rest of the day is a mess, right? Like, have you ever gotten somewhere 10 minutes late and like you're everything is thrown off. Well, even like waking up late, 
my, I have like such a body clock. I am up no later than, I don't even use an alarm, no later than like 6.30. Sometime between 6 and 6.30, my body just says, okay, it's time to get up. There's no snooze. There's no, you know, nothing like that. It's just like, I have to use, I have to maximize my time throughout the day and use as many hours as I can. Cause it's not like I just leap out of bed and go right to work. You know, I get up, I kind of have my stretches. I look outside, I have my lemon water, you know, and then I sit down to my desk by that time. It's already 7.30. So it's like, all right, let's get going. <laughs> so are you like a morning person or I are am. you, so like you get to sleep early at night? Yeah. Like 11 PM would be probably the latest that I stay up. It's, it's not even by choice. Like I'm like falling asleep. <laughs> I, I'm not even functional. It's, even if I wanted to work into the night, unless there was some really pressing deadline where it's like, I have to stay up and do it. I can't. I'm, I'm, my body just shuts off. Yeah. If I don't have like the adrenaline kicking in for whatever reason, like my brain is done by 930 at night. Like I can okay. stay up and watch like the Real Housewives or something, but I can't think any complex thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm also early to rise and I'm a morning person. Like I'm definitely more productive in the morning and I same. really love waking up refreshed. Yeah. It same. Makes me <laughs> so happy. Okay. So let's talk about college. So we went from um, a desire to dig up fossils um, to the theater box office with our <laughs> mature audiences. Um, you get to college. <laughs> like what are you studying? Like, what was your dream at that point? So, you know, college was, uh, so I never did well in school. Um, even in high school, I got like a 3.2 GPA. That was like my graduating GPA. I'm smart. I'm just not great in school. I'm not good at taking tests, anything like that. So getting out of, out of a uh, high school, I decided to go to junior college here in Glendale and figure it out. Cause you know, so many kids were like, I know exactly where I'm going to school. I know exactly what I'm majoring in. But great, I had no idea what I wanted to do with life, especially because I was always in the arts. And like when you're an artist, you're a little more, nothing is as orderly as, you know, people who go into being, a, you, when you're going to be an attorney, you know exactly what you need to do. You know exactly the steps you need to take to get there, right? So for me, it was like, okay, so let's try junior college. And that was a good experience. I, I did um, I did a lot of performing arts there as well. So that satisfied my need for that. And I applied to USC uh, to transfer after two years. And it was the only school I, I applied to. It's the only school I wanted to go to. And thankfully, I got in. So once I got there, communication just seemed like exactly where I needed to be in the journalism, uh, communication and journalism school. Yeah, that was the, it's how college started. <laughs> Did you feel a really strong pressure to just follow the pack and go to those four-year schools and, you know, be on that train with everybody else? Well, because, you know, my family's journey, you know, I was, I would be the first to do that. So I was actually very excited for that. It was like a big achievement, especially USC. Are you kidding me? I went to school with heirs and heiresses of like huge American companies, you know, and then here I am like on financial aid, you know, and it was like a, it was a huge achievement for me. And I knew that, you know, I was making my family proud being there and I loved being there. So how do we go from a communications degree to a major beauty influencer? Um, you know, what, what are those steps that happen in between? Because I'm sure there are many of them. Yeah. Well, one thing that happened is I got a master's degree. <laughs> I went in right after undergrad because I'll be really honest, undergrad, I didn't feel like I learned that much getting out. I mean, I was a cheerleader at USC too. So I was at practice more than I was in class. You know, it was it was a fun experience more than anything. It's 
I'm glad I had that the experience that I did in college, but educationally didn't really do much for me. Um, so I went right into a communication uh, management master's with an emphasis in brand strategy. And it was such a different experience because it was very applied learning. It wasn't like like Socrates and like, you know, all that stuff you learn in undergrad, like, how am I going to use this? Um, so I learned a lot in my master's in those two years that I actually apply now as a founder, as marketing lead for Monday Born. At, you know, I actually feel like i finally have somewhat of a corporate executive role that I didn't use right after my master's. After my master's, I went into acting. <laughs> I started doing commercials. I did some network TV spots. I did some independent films. I enjoyed every minute of it because it's something I always wanted to do. And that's also when I started my blog, MissMaven.com. So that's really where the beauty stuff started. While I was going out on auditions and booking commercials and staying afloat, Financially, I was working on this blog that was a pretty new thing at the time. There were so few bloggers at the time. So I want to just go back to growing up because I feel like maybe this is just an overgeneralization, but immigrant families would say like be a lawyer or be a doctor mm -hmm. and that's it, right? Like there's no yeah. choices. So here you are as an artist and you um, get your un undergraduate degree, you get a master's and then you're still pursuing the arts. Um, were you getting pushback from your family? Was there a lot of Farsi being talked about, I guess, in your room when you were there? You know what? Oddly enough, you know, my parents are not so traditional that, and I don't know, maybe it's because I am, I've always been very stubborn and bullheaded. Like anything I wanted to do, I did. So I didn't get a lot of pushback from them. I think they knew, they, they thought that I knew what I was doing and that this was a reasonable progression, even though it wouldn't, if you look at it on paper, it seems kind of insane to do all that schooling and then go out commercial auditions, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that, I mean, I, I would explain to them, you know, so I'm starting this blog and I'm just talking about beauty products and this and that. And I think they really trusted me to build what I eventually ended up building. What year was this when you started the blog? Maybe 2011, 2010 is, I spent a long time for some reason doing like so much research on blog. Like I didn't just dive into it. I was looking at so many different examples and what mostly like online magazines, which at the time was more, you know, in vogue. Now it's more like super personable, like not so professional, a little bit more casual. So I did a lot of research before I actually jumped into it. Okay, so I want to know about Monday Born, because I know I'm fast forwarding, you know, I guess from zero fans to a million plus, but um, mm -hmm. your fans <laughs> know that about you. But I'm curious to know about, you know, um, spending so many years building relationship with your community, and then deciding I'm going to get into the product game, which is like so completely mm -hmm. different, right? Yeah. So what was the spark of inspiration that you listened to? And like, what, you know, when did it arrive? In your brain. So I, I knew that there was going to be a time. There was going to be a time where I moved into product. I just knew it had to be exactly the right time because there were so many other influencers doing product. And it, so a lot of things had already been done. And if it's already been done, I'm not interested, you know? So I wanted to wait for the moment that I knew that we could bring, fill a hole in the market, bring something new, something mutually beneficial, you know, community oriented. And that happened when I met my partners, who are the co-founders of Bubel. 
Jordan and Hee-kyung. They um, are husband and wife, and they are the founders of Bubble, like I said. And so they came to me with this idea to be a, a beauty incubator. So coming to people like me who have had who have spent these years building a community and saying, okay, what product can you dream up? We're going to bring it to life. So we are. I remember that first meeting we had was like four hours in 2019. We talked for so long and um, it really seemed like our goals were aligned. You know, they came with fresh ideas. I came with fresh ideas. And we each kind of had like a different strength to bring to the table. So immediately I knew I was like, because before I took the meeting, I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I guess we can take the meeting. Sure, fine. I'll hear what they have to say. And then once we were done talking, I was like, we're doing this. Like, whoa, it's this is it. I would imagine they weren't the first people, though, to reach out. So uh, tell us a little bit about that journey, right? Because my, my guess is it's um, lots of stories there. Yeah, I mean, look, I've done collabs. Like I did a, um, an amazing collab with Bobby Brown, where a really, really good friend of mine, Denise, and I, we did um, we did lip a lip launch together. So I created my color. She created her color. It was such a great experience, but that was a collab with an existing brand. Um, there were... Uh, offers from other companies to be like, hey, we'd love to talk about creating your own line. But it sounded very, um, what's the word? Just kind of like cut and paste, like cookie cutter. Like this is what we do for different influencers. And and it just seemed like sterile. Like the whole interaction was like, uh, I don't know. It didn't seem special like it did when I met my current partners. Um, so yeah, there were like two maybe three different companies that were trying to do that, but they just didn't have, they didn't come with the, the revolutionary ideas, the advanced, the, I mean, Bubble really is a tech company. You know, they're not just a beauty incubator. They are a tech company. So they're really coming through with cutting edge. You know, everything that they do is very advanced, um, very tech focused. Um, so that I knew was going to be another great advantage. So, I mean, leaps and bounds, ahead of what anybody else had offered me. (laughs) It's so great. You have to really trust your gut, right? Yeah. I think that probably in your space, there's a lot of, I'm going to use a strong word, like predators, right? Um, Sure. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Basically private label products, right? Looking for a chance to make a quick buck. That's it. And we've seen people fall prey to that, right, in the industry. And I'm really proud of you because it's hard to say no, right? Like, yeah. It's hard to wait. Yeah, it's true. I want to talk about uh, the seduction of growing your business. I think Mm -hmm. it's probably a theme that's the truest and purest for influencers, right? You're like, you know, waking up with numbers, going to bed with numbers, chasing trends to get the numbers. I have a lot of empathy for people who choose this path because I think most people think it's easy and fun. Um, and really it's an enormous amount of work and dedication. It's nonstop. Um, I imagine you dream in numbers sometimes. So I want to talk about this topic because, you know, we're a career journey show and the path of success, it's not a straight line and the definition of success is different for everyone. So let's talk about success for you now. How would you define being successful? I mean, I could just look at the folder of screenshots that I keep of people that have reached out via DM or whatever it is, comments, just saying how much Monday Born has changed their skin, their life. Oh my God, I had eczema, nothing worked, and this is the only thing that worked. Or 
my husband just complimented my skin. He's never done that. Things like that. You know, it just, it is like anytime I'm feeling like, oh God, do I really want to go on? Do I really want to do this? I just go back and look at these messages because I'm like, yeah, we really want to keep doing this because this is for me. Look, I know there's a lot of brands out there, especially like that go to retailers and have great, huge marketing campaigns behind their launches. And yeah, people, that generates sales. It does. But um, does it generate a solid retention rate? (laughs) Because a lot of times, in all honesty, you know, these huge campaigns, they produce a one-time buyer, whereas our retention rate is two times the industry average, more than, actually more than, the the industry average is 22 to 23%. Ours is about just under 50%. Wow, that's awesome. Retention. Yeah. So that I'm really, really proud of. And I, I I cannot think of a better measure of success. Because, you know, I look at us as the like the tortoise and the hare. We're the tortoise. We're making really meaningful strategic moves. I'm very risk averse. Sometimes when I talk to my co-founders, they bring up an idea. Even last week, we were talking about an idea for a launch. And I was like, this is going to cost a lot of money. I, and, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, meaningful baby steps that make a big impact in the long run. They may not, you know, make us internet viral or like social media viral, but I don't care. I don't care about that. I care about paying my bills. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned that you're risk averse, but I'm going to challenge you on that. You okay. started a career as an actor. This is like, Mm-hmm. such a vulnerable place to put yourself, right? It is very risky, you know, if you think about from sure. a stability perspective and it just like mental health, you know, rejection perspective, that is intense. You yeah. dove into a new media in 2010 and then again into whatever YouTube 2012 and then again into Instagram and then again, in, you know, right? So you keep diving into these new places. So I would say, I would describe you, you know, knowing you the one hour and a half that I've known you in my life as um, <laughs> thoughtful and meditative and willing to do the research. But I do think you're taking risks every day. True. Yeah. And when you put it that way, yeah, you're actually very right. You're thoughtful. <laughs> it is a huge you're risk. Thoughtful. Yeah, it is a huge risk to start, start a, a brand from scratch. But yeah, I I think every move, just like you said, is very calculated. Like I really have to think of every last scenario. And the thing is, we don't make most of our decisions without going to the community first. Like I'll hop on Instagram and I'll hop on .com and just kind of write up like a post asking, like, are you guys into this? Like, would are you are you going to be supportive of this? I need to know before we, you know, dive into it. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not just like someone who decided to start a brand. I'm someone who for years had communicated with people on different platforms about beauty products, about my routines, about makeup. Um, So why wouldn't I continue that same method where I'm still talking to people? I'm still asking people their opinions, concerns, things like that. And I think that's what's really made Monday Born successful at the end of the day is, is truly taking in that feedback. Well, tell me, um, because I know you go really, really deep with your fans. Like, What is that process with your fan base in terms of development and how do they get involved? Well, the most, I mean, the most special thing we do is something called the Monday Born Experience, which is first of its kind. um, Every launch we have, we uh, ask for submissions through a Google form. We ask for age group, complexion, skin concerns, things like that. 
And we put together a group of, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 15 people, depending on what product we're looking at. And we send them lab samples of the product. You know, they get the exact lab sample. I have one right here. <laughs> we're about to start a new one. Um, the same one that we get, you know, and we test it out together. We, we ask them to document their process, let us know what they like, what, what they don't like. And then we hop on Zoom calls and discuss as a group, like, okay, so these are the questions I have. What did you think of this, this, and this? And they'll give me their feedback. And then we'll go back to the lab and say, hey, so they liked this, but they didn't like this so much. Can we change, you know, add a little bit of this or take away a little bit of that? And then we also talk about packaging, everything. So really at the end, at the end of, I don't have any of my products here with me, but at the end of the process, once everything is done, their name is printed on the bottom of the box. That is so cool. Okay. So you're saying your, your followers, like, you know, someone that's been in connection with you, but you've never met in person, Mm -hmm. your company takes the time to send them lamp samples and then get on Zoom with them to hear their firsthand feedback. Nope. And then you put their name on the bottom. And we keep doing it. Yeah. And we'll do round after round. Like once they give us their feedback, we'll tell the lab and then they send out a new batch of samples, which we send out to them. And then we say, okay, so test this one. What do you think of this one? On average, we do about three rounds. But we'll keep going until everyone's happy with it. You know, if there's a problem we need to address, we will until we get it right. And then at the end, we'll say, so is everyone good? And speak now or forever hold your peace. And then if everybody gives their nod of approval, then we go go to production. I love this because you're you're almost starting like a club within a community, right? Of people who, you know, are willing to take the time to participate in this process. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not a focus group, right? A focus group is one and done. This is an ongoing yeah. story that you're building. Yeah. I call them like our alumni, alumni, alumni of, you know, the Monday Born Experience because we do have men. We have men and women. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about um, life as an influencer back to that topic of really creating success for yourself, but at a rate that feels good and feels right and um, how you manage that seduction. So, um, you know, the question on my mind is like, do you read the comments? Because sometimes they're not probably so pleasant. Is this something that you do yourself? Yeah. I mean, it was not easy in the beginning and I really took a lot of it personally. <laughs> but I think over the years, it's just become a little bit more of a an afterthought. Like the not the good comments. The good comments stay with me. I keep them right here. <laughs> but you know, the bad comments, they happen so there's so few of them that it's just like I don't really think about it that much. Mm-hmm. So you're able to package them up in your head as this is just like, that doesn't affect me. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about, you know, people have bad days. Mm-hmm. People are going through some things that make them angry or frustrated. And sometimes they're looking for an outlet and it just happens to be like, you know, they happen to come across your video or whatever. It happens to be you on that day. Um, if it's constructive criticism, it's actually great. That's great for me because then I can adjust my operation and make it better. So um, that's that's always welcome. But, you know. Tell me about the process of, I guess, if there is a separation between your public persona and your personal private one. Yeah, there is. Um, my public persona is me. It's not like a, some fake thing that I put on, but I don't think people see all of me on here because I don't know if they would necessarily like all of me. <laughs> I mean, there's, I'm an impatient person. I can be judgmental. 
I have a short fuse, you know, I, and, and like I curse and <laughs> trying my hardest to, to cut back on that, not do it so much. But, you know, I always want to put forth the most aspirational part of me <laughs> and they still see people still see when, I, when I'm having a bad day, they still see the vulnerable parts of me, the meltdowns, the mistakes, the things I regret, you know, that's okay. But <laughs> sometimes it's like, okay. You can't always be showing the bad parts. Like, try to show as much of the good parts as you can. I'm sure your fans would give you grace, you know, even on a bad day. They do. I mean, I had an incident day before on Monday, and I explained it. I was like, I just have to vent this. And I'd made a mistake. I'd talked to someone rudely, and I felt terribly about it. And I called back to apologize. So I told the story, and it's one of those days where it's like a record number of DMs. And because, because everyone, you know, all of the DMs were so kind and like so compassionate. I sat there, I got through every single, I think there's still like 10 more that I have to get through that I'm still replying to because I really appreciate that. I appreciate the encouragement, you know? It's very brave of you to apologize. There's a lot of adults in the world who do not have the inner strength to be able to say they made a mistake and apologize for it. I try to challenge myself to exercise humility as much as I can, because this is a space, especially where, you know, you get a lot of praise and, you know, I think sometimes people can get to a point where they think they can do no wrong, but it's definitely not the case. <laughs> we are all human and we all do wrong at one point or another. Um, so my last question for the interview part of the show is about your podcast. So you mm -hmm. recently started a show. Tell me about yeah. it. Man, it's been such a good experience. This first season was a little bit of an experiment. Um, it was no video. It was literally just me and the mic. And I wanted to just dive into some topics that are you know, not so much beauty focus. There was an episode talking a little bit about like beauty stuff, but um, more talking about relationships, about family, about eldest daughter syndrome, you know, like immigrant stuff, some of the founder stuff I also talked about. And like I said, I, did, I, I, wanted, I wanted it to be somewhat of an experiment to see like, are people into this? Like, are we, is this a worthwhile thing to continue doing? And the response has been nothing I could have even imagined. Like people have been really, I've been receiving it really well. And some of the messages I've been getting, I'm like, okay, I definitely have to continue this. So what was once um, kind of an experiment, just me, you know, me and the mic, I'm now sort of planning for recording photo, uh, video as well. Um, I already have some guests that are interested in coming on and talking and just different topics now that I want to expand into because I really was like, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to be into this. So let's try it out. And it was really like a pleasant um, reaction. Okay. So once again, you're a risk taker. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but you're methodical yeah. and thoughtful, mm -hmm, but methodical. you did it. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of people in the world, Tenny, and I'm sure you know many of them who talk like, oh, I have this idea, I have this idea, I have this idea, and they never make the ideas happen. Right. Right. right? So yeah. I'm giving you a pat on the back for all the risks that you've taken. Thanks. That makes me feel good because there are still other ideas that I never followed through with that makes me feel kind of badly, but the way you put that makes me feel good. <laughs> I mean, first of all, there's only like so much bandwidth and so many hours in a day, sure. right? Sure. And those and the universe speaks. I really believe that. Like so that idea yeah. that you had 5 years ago, well maybe yeah. it's something that will rekindle in 2 years sure. and you'll sure. find a way to make it happen. Yeah. 
I have this idea inside of me for my next podcast, which I have absolutely no time for right now. No bandwidth for it. Like, I'm dreaming of doing it. I'm so excited about doing it. I feel like the world actually needs it. And I have to be patient, which is so hard. Yeah. Patient with myself because I'm the only thing holding me back. Yeah. Right. And I have to like literally talk to myself in my head and be like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't know, in a year. I'll do it in six months. Whenever I yeah. do it, I do it. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of constrain that ambition. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> okay. Here's a really good one. What's your favorite thing to do to unplug or recharge? Okay. So I, I, I finally got myself into a routine where I don't work on the weekends anymore. It's my time to actually recharge. Yeah. Good on me because that was a big problem for me. Um, honestly, the most effective thing is just hanging out with my family. My boyfriend and I will go over there and we'll be just with my mom, my brother, and like the dogs are like, we'll invite my dad for dinner, something like that. And just being with family, being with the dogs, is so much comfort for me that I really just, I, I fill up on everything, on love, on relaxation, on, you know, just comfort and security. That's, that's my recharge. Okay. I have to ask, when your parents met your boyfriend for the first time, were they speaking in Farsi around you? <laughs> no. So they're not married and they haven't spoken in like 10 years. So um, yeah, everything was like directed to me. So no, thank thankfully everything was pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. What was the best advice you were given from another influencer about being an influencer? Gosh, I cannot even think if, I feel like I'm always the one giving it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So what advice do you give people? Oh man. I, I'm really, I'm really trying to think like there isn't really anything. Um, what advice do I give other people is it really depends what they're asking. Like, are they asking to how to build a following or how, you know, I think the most common, I guess, um, advice I give is to just bring forth your authentic self and not try to replicate what you're seeing out there that works. You know, because I feel like that just gets uncomfortable and it looks for it. You can tell. Just be, truly be who you are. There's an audience for every type of person. So I guess that's my most common advice. I love that. And I love, um, like, people, I think, probably think it's a, a quick climb to the top and it's mm. quite slow. Well, um, I will the say. More they can. I will say, me. just on that point, yet there is such a thing as a quick burst into, you know, it's happening on TikTok, but there isn't any longevity in that. You know, the longevity is lies with the people who have been building community for years, especially the people who, you know, my class who started on YouTube. So there is definitely such a thing as a quick um, overnight fame, but someone else new will come along in about six months and do that same thing, you know? Right. You really need a foundation. Definitely. Right. Because without a foundation, I guess without like um, going back to the digital magazines that you looked at so many years ago, if they didn't have an editorial point of view, if they didn't have a mission mm -hmm. right, or a purpose, then they would just be a bunch of pictures and words. Sure. Right? Yeah. So if you can have a purpose and a mission and stick to it and be consistent, like you said, your people will find you. Yeah. And people need to learn, need to have time to trust, learn to trust you and you need to establish your credibility. So that's more valuable, in my opinion. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Let's see. Okay. okay. Oh, this is, I'm sure you get this asked all the time. If one of your fans wants to get involved in crowdsourcing with Monday Born and be part of yeah. your team, how do they apply for that? Um, are they talking about the Monday Born experience? Yeah, the experience. Yeah, so um, there's a Google form, 
um, to fill out. If you go to Buble.com, um, and if if people are Monday Born customers, they'll know exactly what that is. That's our that's a platform that our sales are our sales or our community everything is done there. Um, if you go to the Monday Born Community tab, there is a post there with the link to fill out the Google form. Um, I would suggest doing that today because um, our product development lead usually it's me picking the people like I go through every hundreds of submissions and like find the people but because we're talking about retinol this is going to be kind of a serious one so our product development lead is taking the lead on this one um, so I think she's going to start tomorrow so okay so your submissions um, in go today. to the site fill out the form and yeah. do they um if they get don't get picked for the retinol, do they have to reapply next time? There's yeah, opportunity? yeah. There people who have already participated can apply, and if you've applied before and didn't get chosen that time, you're more than welcome to continue to apply for them. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Tenny, for your time today. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun. Good chat. <laughs> this was our 230th episode. This is Yay. a big number. And thank you all for so much for joining us. If you'd like this episode, please rate and review. As always, make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on our upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Tenny. See you. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.